Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Matthew chapter 5, I want to go back to something that's been a reoccurring theme of late. By the way, if you didn't hear Drew's message on Wednesday night, who was here Wednesday night? was excellent Wednesday. Will be a help to you. But um, he was ministering on hunger uh, Wednesday night. It was excellent. And how many of you realize that this has been kind of a reoccurring theme around here for a little while? Yeah, yeah. You know, hunger is a huge deal. It's, it really is a very, very big deal. Really, what we have in our life right now is a result of what we've hungered for yesterday. I mean, that, that is it. What we have, what we're experiencing now, and really in every area of life, is, is what we desired yesterday. And yesterday's desires become today's reality. So whatever you're after, you eventually, you, you will get. And uh, so the subject of hungers is, is a massive one here in Mark cha- or Matthew rather, chapter 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Everybody say, shall be filled. So when you hunger and thirst for righteousness after uh, uh, right standing with him, yes, also right actions, right deeds, you know, the, the, not just not, uh, not committing sin, but the deeds and actions that are appropriate uh, and right for believers in union with Christ. When you hunger for those things, you will be satisfied. And so, um, you know, like I said, hunger is an important thing. And really, if we're going to continue to... to to go after what God has for us, we'll have to continue to maintain hunger. You know, hunger, just because you're hungry today doesn't mean you'll be hungry for something tomorrow. And uh, so it's important that we maintain these things. And, you know, we, uh, we're talking about this on a Sunday night. This is more of our, our kind of our core group on Sunday nights. And, you know, uh, I hope you realize that as a group, obviously we're one body, we're one church. But you know, as a group, if we can get any group of people that are together uh, going after God, we can affect all, all the services and really the entire climate of the church. And so uh, it's a big deal and, and we are where we are because people have gotten hungry. We just want more people to get, to get on board with us and more people to pick that up and to go after these things. I tell you what, God has so much more for us. And, um, you know, what all is that exactly? I can't tell you. You know, uh, he doesn't tell us everything, show us everything. But I guarantee you that if we could roll back the, the curtains of time and look to see what's ahead of us, uh, we would be astonished. And um, we know we can go back and look behind us, and it's pretty amazing, the things we see in the Word. You know, anything that's in the Word, we can have today. And the reason why we don't have it today is because people have, have quit desiring those things, and other things crept in. And so, you know, it's, it's important, I believe, as a generation of believers to, to, to start desiring these things and going after these things, and God will respond. I just want to talk a little bit tonight about the power of hunger and just some things that I hadn't seen until just recently, and um, I think they'll be a help to you. And go with me to John chapter 2. I think, why is this such a big deal, and, and what, why do we keep talking about this? And just some things I think that are interesting in the Word where, where we, can, we can see the result of hunger, uh, uh, and, and you can say it this way, strong desire. Uh, how it changes things. Uh, it says here in John chapter 2, this is um, the story of uh, Jesus turning the water into wine. There's a part of this that's always made me chuckle over the years. Uh, uh, we'll start in verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, talking about Mary. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, 
And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And this is the part that always made me chuckle. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? I've always kind of laughed because I, I assume even the son of God got the eyebrow from his mama. <laughs> because I, I, if I were to respond to my mama that way, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? I would, that would, uh, you probably may never see me again. But anyway, um, and, you know, and actually it would be okay because Jesus did it and we know he did everything without sin. So it must be all right. No, don't do that. But I always, I always chuckle. The woman, I would have loved to have been there. You know, how do you, as Mary, how do you respond to that? Because if it was one of her other knucklehead kids, she'd have thumped him on the head, right? But this is, this is the son of God after all. You gotta wonder, what a tough job. You think your job is tough raising a kid. How about raising the son of God, right? Everything he says, you know he's right. <laughs> you know, and... <laughs> Well, you got to be careful there, you know, you, you don't give him enough uh, sweets or something, make, make him eat too many Brussels sprouts, you, you might be in trouble. But anyway, so the woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, uh, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, contained 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And, uh, uh, boy, this is really a small type here. Fill them with water. And uh, to the brim, he said to them, draw, or, uh, yeah, where are we at? Jesus said to, said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. Verse 9, when the master of the feast had tasted uh, the, water that was made, uh, the water that was made wine, it did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, uh, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee, and manifest his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, it's interesting. We're talking about hunger, and the, and the, the keynote verse of this is, uh, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And it's interesting to, to look at this paint this picture. Jesus, obviously he had disciples at this point. He had already called John and Peter and called a few of the disciples. He had some followers at this point, but notice he said, my time has not yet come. Now we know that according to, according to what Jesus said, uh, according to the word that he only did what he heard his, what he saw his father do. He only said what he heard his father say. He said that I have not come to do my will, but the one who sent me. And so Jesus was saying here at this point to his mother, he said, listen, this isn't my problem. My, you know my time has not come. My time has not come. And yet, and yet, um, uh, yet still, Mary had something she wanted him to do. He, of course, she told the servants, whatever he tells you to do. I, I do like the fact that he just, she just ignored him. He went on about her business and said, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And um, Mary, or Jesus was motivated or moved by Mary's desires. Isn't it interesting to think the thing that was hungry, that was a hunger and a desire of her, caused Jesus to do something that he said wasn't his time? Isn't that interesting? And of course, this isn't about uh, manipulating God, but, but at, at the same point, you have to understand that God is motivated by our desires. He's motivated by what's important to us. He's motivated by what's important to you. And, um, you know, there's this interesting, uh, uh, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, is a verse that many of you know. 
We're going to look at several of these examples because it's overwhelming the number of times this has happened in the Bible. Uh, examples like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one. Verse 6, 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Notice verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. The New King James, or the King James of that says, you are uh, laborers together with God. The Amplified says, for you are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. So we're talking about our desires and the plan of God. And, and, you know, just because God wants something to happen doesn't mean it happens. We know this. God doesn't desire that anybody should perish, that all should have everlasting life. Yet people still perish. People still die and go to hell. It happens. And so uh, uh, it's not just based upon life isn't just based upon God's desires. What he wants, our participation is required. And it says here that we are laborers together with Christ. How many know if there's not a planting or, an, or a watering, then there is no giving the increase, right? And so if one doesn't plant or one doesn't water, then there's nothing for God to give the increase to. And so they had to do something and then God responded. Well, when it comes to the, this area, our hunger is, is a part of our co-laboring together with him. Just because it's God's desire to do some things in the time we live, unless we desire it, unless we're hungry for it, then we could very well miss out on it. But it's interesting, even in this situation with Mary, even when it wasn't his will to do it, it wasn't even God's time to do it or God's will to even do it at this moment. Mary's desire and her hunger actually changed the will of God. Think about that for a minute. Isn't that crazy? And we think the will of God is, is the will, of, is, it's set and this is the way it is. There's a side of the whole plan of God that, that is determined by us because we are co-laborers. He is sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. He's going to do what he's going to do. He has a will, but he wills to work through us and in conjunction with us. And if we don't participate, then he has made the decision to limit his ability to move based upon our participation. Think about this. It wasn't even his time, yet a miracle still happened. And it was, the, it was the beginnings of signs for Jesus, a miracle, extraordinary thing. And people believe all over something that wasn't even God's plan. It wasn't even Jesus' will that it happened. I mean, he, he said, woman, what does this? He's basically saying, leave me alone. This is not my problem. And even go further, it's not, not only is it not my problem, it's not my time. It's interesting, Mary wasn't deterred by that. She said, she said, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. She acted like he didn't even say it. Isn't that what happened? She just went on about her business. You just do whatever he says and left Jesus standing there with the servants. And they're looking at him and he's like, well, okay, mama gets her way. Her desire and her hunger caused God to move. Is it possible that your hunger and desire will cause God to move? Interesting, isn't it? Go with me over to Mark chapter 11. We're just going to look at several different things. This is, this is all over the place in the Bible. It's actually pretty amazing. Like I said, I hadn't really noticed this before until just recently, but 
but this is this is not a a uh, an exception to the rule. This is actually pretty normal that, that, that it goes this way. In Mark chapter eleven, uh, well, actually, just hold your place here. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Go over to John chapter John the fourth chapter. John chapter four. We have the account of um, uh, the woman, the Samaritan at the well. John the fourth chapter. This is a this is an amazing an account account as well. Um, of course, you know the the story. Jesus was uh, was traveling along and, and went into Samaria and, and was thirsty. Went by the well, and um, uh, Samaritans were were had no real in, in interaction with Jews. It was something that just didn't happen. They were traveling through the area, but but they didn't have a whole lot of interaction between them, and so. Uh, uh, you know, he begins to talk with, with this woman and, and, and uh, minister to her. And, and basically, you know, he uh, read her mail, so to speak, you know, what was going on in her life. And, and you remember the disciples were shocked that he was talking to this woman. They were really surprised when they shut up that, that you're doing this. You're talking to, her, to this woman. Well, you know, uh, how many you know that this, it wasn't God's plan necessarily for this to happen? Have you realized this or not? It wasn't. Jesus went there, he was looking for some water, they were passing through, he wanted something to drink, but they interrupted his plans by what they wanted, by their desire. In, the, in, uh, uh, in this verse here, in the, we'll just go to the 39th verse, we've got a lot of things written down, so I want to make sure we get through all of this. Uh, verse 39, it says, And many Samaritans of the city, now you remember, after she talked with this, he talked with this woman, he sent her back into, into her village, and she went and told everybody all the things that this man had said to me and how he, he told me this, that, and the other, and so they all came out to see him. In the, the 39th verse, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of this woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. When the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and notice he stayed there Two days with them. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, in other places in the Bible, Matthew chapter 10, in, in, in talking to the disciples, he said, listen, he sent the 12, uh, uh, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. On many occasions, Jesus says, I have not been sent except for the, to the house, the house of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, that's why I've been come. I've not been sent to you. I've been sent to the Jews. But notice, after he talked to this woman, she went and told her friends about it, and they come out, came out, and Jesus stayed with them for two days, and he had told his disciples, don't do that. He told them not to do it, and yet their hunger to find out what this man was all about caused him to stay there two days. Think about that. Even a command he told somebody else, don't do it, he did it himself. Well, we know he did things without sense. It must have been okay, but it still wasn't why God sent him because he said, that's not why I've been sent. Isn't that interesting? At least it is to me. You know, our co-laboring together, you're, you're there in Mark. Go back to Mark chapter 11. This idea of, of really our, our hunger and our desires has been something that's been in the word and, and something that's one of the things that our church um as a as a really if you boil it down this is a huge part of what our church was based upon and is based upon in uh, mark chapter 11 uh verse 22 jesus answered said to them have faith in god for surely i say to you 
Whoever says this mountain be removed may cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things he said will be done. He'll have whatever he uh, says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That word, whatever you ask, is the same word in the King James that's, that is translated desire. Notice there's this idea that Jesus even commanded them, have the faith of God. Whatever things you desire, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive it and you will have it. Notice again, who's it fall back on? Who does, who does it go back to? It goes back to whatever things you desire. When you pray, ask, believe that you have it and you'll receive it, Right? Our desire is tied in. It, it, Jesus encouraged his disciples constantly to do this. Isn't that one of our, our main scriptures that we, that we focus on a lot? We over the years we have. Notice it's our desire. It goes back to our hunger, our desire. What are you hungry for? What are you desiring? You know, the Lord's asking the same question even today. What are you asking for? What are you hungry for? Go with me over to... Um, uh, Matthew chapter 15. This is a, a, a scripture that uh, Brother Christopher read when he was here last week. And uh, sure enough, you see it again. Drew mentioned this in his message on, uh, uh, on um, uh, Wednesday night as well. But in Matthew chapter 15, I'll let you get there. Wait till the pages aren't turning anymore. Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there. And departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Remember, I've not been sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't even answer her. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent, here we go again, except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he, but he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. And even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Notice this. Let it be to you as you, what? Desire. Once again, it, was not, it, wasn't, even, it wasn't even God's will for this woman. She was a Canaanite. She wasn't a, she wasn't a Jew. Jesus told her that. The disciples tried to send her away. But notice, it was her faith. Faith is huge. But what caused her faith to rise up? What caused her to, to, to have faith? She had desire. Can you see hunger and thirst? Your desire is huge. It's her desire. David in the Old Testament. Think about this in the Old Testament with David. David lived under the Old Covenant. Under the Old Covenant... Uh, uh, only the priests could enter into the holiest of holies. The relationship people had with God was a servant and their God, right? They didn't experience his presence. They didn't fellowship with him. They didn't talk with him. David was an old covenant man. Remember the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart, right? I read this scripture a couple weeks ago in Psalms 51. This is David said this. He said, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, see, David was an Old Testament person. He lived under a different era. He didn't even live in our day. 
I mean, at least the woman that we talked about with the Samaritan woman and, and, and Mary, they were at least on the earth when Jesus was here and a new day was dawning. This was hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. This was under an old, an old covenant. Only the high priest had access to God. This whole idea of fellowship wasn't even there. But notice David had an idea of fellowship. And David actually had fellowship with God. It wasn't just an idea. He saw something that didn't even belong to his era. It belonged to hundreds of years down the road. He saw something down the road. And his desire opened up something that wasn't even available to him. The sacrifice of Jesus hadn't even made yet. But God met him and allowed him. Anybody else would try to enter into the presence of God. What had happened to him? They dropped dead. I mean, if the high priest would go and they tied bells around his ankles, and if the bells quit ringing, they would drag him out because he obviously did something wrong and he was dead. You think anybody else went into the holies of holies? Did anybody have the idea of coming to, to communing with God? Nobody did. But you know, David would dance before the Lord. He would dance before the ark. How did he do this? He had a desire to know God. He was hungry for something that didn't even apply, wasn't even available to him. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, the woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5. I think uh, Kamal Latham had pointed this out to Steve, and Steve had talked to me, had, had shared this with me. And this is so good, I'd never seen it. In uh, Mark chapter 5, in the uh, 25th verse, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things from many physicians. She, she had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched him. She said, if I will only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you ask who touched me? He looked around to her, uh, to, her uh, to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, he doesn't use the word hunger or desire in here, in here, but this is the first account, the first time anybody ever got healed by touching somebody's clothes. I mean, what gave her the, uh, the thought to even do that? I have no idea. Nobody else was doing it. When Jesus asked who touched me, the disciples thought he was crazy for even asking the question. Who'd even think about touching Jesus, thinking that that would do something? This woman had such a desire and a hunger to get healed that God even changed the way it happened for her. I mean, you know, in the, in, in the Gospels, they would lay hands on cloth and lay them on the bodies of the sick and the afflicted and they would be healed, right? This was the first time this had ever happened. This is probably where they got the idea from. They didn't even know it was possible up to this point. This woman had such a desire for something, was so hungry for something that she got something from Jesus. He wasn't even aware of what was happening. And it went and it happened in a way that had never happened before. Her desire, her hunger caused power to be released. And he wasn't even paying attention. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's, 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 to me, that is a, that is a, a well, it's, it's only if the Lord wills. Listen, he wills. We know he wills. We know he has the word. But do you will? What are you wanting? When you want something, you do something about it. She fought through the crowd. 
pushed her way through and did something nobody had ever done and got her miracle. Hunger and thirst. Being hungry, having a desire. Sometimes in order for hunger to stir in us, we need to just even think a little bit outside the box, right? Well, this is the way it always happens. Well, maybe that's the way it always happens because you've not desired it enough to, to get out of the boat, so to speak, and try something different. <laughs> I'm sure people would have told her, don't, oh, that's crazy. See, her hunger, her desire really didn't care about that. She was gonna get what God had for her, amen? Hunger and desire is a huge thing. Now go over to 1 Samuel chapter eight. 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter. Praise God. I tell you, our hunger is really, really powerful. What we desire is, is, boy, it's something else. 1 Samuel, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, uh, Abijah, Abijah, is that right? Uh, they were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in, the way, walk in his ways and turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us, make us a king and judge us like all the nations." But the thing, but the thing displeased Samuel when he the thing, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, "Give us a king to judge us." So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Now you have to understand, up to this point, God had set them up to be to be ruled by judges. This was God's plan for them. This is what God wanted for them. But they were looking around all the kingdoms around them. They all had kings. All the other nations had kings and rulers. They had judges. And of course, they're looking at their judges, and the judges that were coming up weren't good judges. Right, So obviously that didn't help, but, but that wasn't God's plan for them. And the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. For I shall not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also." Verse 9, now therefore heed their voice, however, you shall solemnly warn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. If you know anything about the history of Israel, this was a defining moment in their, in, in their nation's existence. Yeah, they had, they had judges that weren't good, but after this, they began to have all sorts of problems with kings. They were taken captive, all of these things happened. Listen, God's plan was for them to have judges, they got kings, why did that happen? Did God's plan change? No, they desired a king. They desired something. I mean, if we desire the wrong thing, God will even accommodate us. Think about that. I mean, you, you, our desires, are, even when it goes contrary to God's will and it's not good for us, he will do it if we want it. If it's what we really want, he will obey. Well, God's sovereign. Yes, he's sovereign, but he's made the decision to let us make decisions. And he's, he, has, he has made the decision to, to work with us. Right? They didn't, even want, they, didn't, they didn't want judges. They wanted a king. God gave it to them. Our, our hunger is a pretty big deal. Go over to Genesis chapter 3. We'll go back to the very beginning of all of this. Genesis chapter 3. This is interesting here. 
In Genesis, the third chapter, in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the, the fruit... But but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes, that word pleasant to the eyes actually literally means a desirable thing. When she saw that it was pleasant, it was desirable. When she saw that it was, uh, saw the, the, the tree was good for food and it was pleasant, it was desirable to the eyes, and, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Notice God's plan for mankind got completely off track because they desired something they weren't supposed to have. Think about that. Well, God's sovereign. Yeah, he is sovereign. But he still left it up to them. This is the parameters I want you to work in and they desired the thing he said don't have and they got exactly what they wanted. Isn't that interesting? You know, there, there, there's a lot of examples in the word and we could go through many of them uh, 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 that are here. But you know, I think we've, we've read enough tonight. The, the issue of hunger in our lives is a major deal. There's a reason why the Lord has been talking about these things, bringing these things up. Different ones have ministered on it. Different ones have talked about it. The, the issue of hunger and desire, it is the thing that will cause us to go from where we are to where we need to be. It is the thing that has gotten us from where we were to where we are now. It, it, that is what's caused it to happen. It's been hunger. Uh, pastor said that Tony Cook had told him, when I think of revival, what do I think of? I think of hunger. I think of the word hunger. Every generation that has experienced a mighty move of God, there were people that were hungry for it first. There were people that desired it first. That's what caused it to happen. It's always God's will to move. It's always God's will to do things. It's always God's will to demonstrate himself. It's always God's will to meet you. But it's, it still is up to us to desire it and to hunger it. Yeah. Now, some may think we talk about this all the time. We're, it's something that the Lord will keep talking about until we get it. Yeah. Right? Because he loves us enough that he will keep bringing these things. And he can't cause us to be hungry. He can't make us be hungry, but he can't keep talking about it until we get on board, right? And I understand that it may run some people off. That, so well, that might very well happen. But it's a, it's a vital thing that we have hunger. I'm telling you, you need hunger in your life for God. You need a desire in your life for God. The examples we read with, you know, the, uh, the Canaanite woman and, and uh, the Samaritan woman and even David, am I suggesting that we hunger for things that don't belong to us? That's really not what I'm talking about. The point of that, the whole point of that, of those examples is the fact that they weren't even theirs and they were still able to attain them because they desired them. Do you think the things that actually belong to us, the things that Jesus died for, shed his blood for, that he was sent for, the things that, that God acquired for us that belong to us, do you think God would withhold any of those things if we would simply want those things? This is, this is something, when I, when, I, when I see this, 
You know, in, in, in church history, especially recent times that I know of, there's been this almost celebrity status in the church. You know, our country is a celebrity crazed nation. Those shows like Inside Edition and all that, I hate that stuff. I don't care what J-Lo thinks about this or that. I really don't care. I don't care what Brad Pitt says. I, just because you can act like someone that you're not doesn't mean what you say means anything to me. And I don't understand that. You can be a real good phony and I'm going to just follow you. That makes no sense to me. But our, our culture is, we, we like to elevate people, Right? We like to elevate people. Now, there's a side of having respect for people and honoring one another. You know, really, uh, uh, the plan of God and the will of God, in order for it to grow, there has, there's got to be an atmosphere of honor. But that's where we honor one another, right? You, you do realize that, right? We, we should honor not just ministry, but we all should, also should honor one another, Right and prefer one another and love one another and treat one another with respect. There ought to be that. But our culture is so celebrity-minded that a select few get to do this and, and we, will, we will glory in their accomplishments. And, you know, it's crept into the church. Do you realize that in most of the church, the church world, there's this idea that the things of God are reserved for people that are that are specifically called by God into the ministry? Do you, do you realize that? That there's this idea that, that certain things only apply to certain people? You know, gifts and talents, they, giftings from the Lord enable a minister to do their job, but, but God moving and God using us is not, is not limited to a select group. It's for the body of Christ. When I, when I look at this, when I see this, when I look at our church, when I look at where we are, I, I, don't see, I don't see a place where signs, wonders, and miracles and these things flow through the ministry staff only. I see a place where, where people are getting words for somebody on the street. Walking down the street and you see somebody and you have a, a word of knowledge that, that this is going on in their life. Right? That you wreck that that church members. Somebody said this, you know, that the Lord Jesus is returning for His bride, and He wants His bride's body to be in proportion to the head. Think about that. He wants the body to be in proportion to the head. He wants the body to fully take its place and shape and size. Now, I've got, a, I've got a bobblehead Jesus on my desk. Now, some of you might think that's sacrilegious. When Ike and Cindy left here to move to Canada, he gave me a bobblehead Jesus. Ike and I's relationship is funny. He said, anytime you ask him, he'll tell you yes. Because no matter where you, hit, where you, how you hit the head, the head bobbles yes. And so I, I, I've, I've kept this thing, you know. You can flick it, you can mess with it, and the head always moves yes. <laughs> so some people may think that, that you shouldn't have a bobblehead Jesus. I think Jesus probably thought it was funny. I don't know. But it's interesting that bobblehead Jesus, the head on that thing is huge. You ever seen a bobblehead? A lot of times the head is huge on it. And the body is this little tiny body. Do you realize that the, the church has really looked a lot like that? A little tiny body, right? With this big old head Jesus. He's the head, we're the body, right? But he is so 
prominent and the body is so weak and small and insignificant. Do you realize that's not what Jesus is coming back for? And he's not even coming back for a body that, that certain parts of the body are developed. You know, hands and feet that are huge hands and feet, but the rest of them are, are tiny. He's coming back for a body that's well-formed. This is, these things are things that are available to everybody. If you want God to use you, or, 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 or I'll say this, God wants to use you. He wants to give you a word for the person at work. He wants to, he wants to give you something to, to share with somebody in the workplace or somebody in the mall. Or, or he wants you to, to he want, he's looking for an avenue to reach people. Right? He's looking for opportunities to reach people. I don't know if you know this or not, but the world's not in here. You do realize that, right? The world's not in here. They're avoiding our church like the plague. Now, we'll say we thank God when people come in, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be inviting people, but you do realize that there are, there are a whole lot more people out there than are getting invited to come, and even more so than that are, that are showing up. What's going to turn the tide? It's going to be the church not staying here, but the church going out there. The church not being the church here, but being the church out there. And that's not ministers, that's the body doing it. That's the body doing it. what i mean you know that that that's what that's what it'll take jesus himself realized he wasn't enough even when he was here think about that jesus even though he was god in flesh he still recognized that he needed to send the 70 out right well he's jesus he could take care of the job but then why did he send him if he didn't need him to go was it not god's will that he sent them well, he only, he only did the will of his father, right? That's what he came to do. I'm just curious. Maybe they wanted to be used. That's why he sent them. But we won't know till we get there. But I do know this. He sent them. He didn't think he was going to do it all himself, right? He expected them to go out and do things. And when they came back in times where they couldn't, he said, well, he said how long will I, will I tolerate you? How long will I put up with you, you faithless generation? He had expectations of them doing something. But you know, what it really all boils down to is what do you want? What do you want? What do you desire? What do you hunger for? Our hunger and our desire, I say it like this, our hunger and desire will testify in eternity. Our hunger and desire today will speak of us in eternity. Think about that. That for the generations to come and the ages to come, our hunger for him will speak of our lives here and will, will signify who we were. Right? It'll speak of us. It's a huge deal. It's just, a, it's a huge deal. You know, I know life is busy. I know there are things that are going on and, and you know, it's one of the, it's one of the, you know, and the word talks about, you know, the, the sower sows the word. One of the things is the distractions of this age that come in and steal the word. What is the word? The word is something that will produce in your life, right? It will produce in your life. It will produce so that you have something to offer somebody else, 
right? The word will produce. But one of the things we have is the distraction of this age. We, in America, we are so distracted. Would you all agree with me? I mean, we are super distracted. I can say I'm super distracted. I'm just super distracted. Uh, we're, more, we're more distracted people than have ever lived on the earth. We're just distracted. Opportun- you know, opportunities aren't necessarily good things. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now listen, people say, oh, now you're getting into my personal life. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. It all goes back to what do you want? What is it that you're after? What, what is it that you desire? You know, I know that many have, have, have begun to, to look at some of these things and to, uh, uh, you know, examine their hearts and examine their lives. And, you know, I know Drew had said on, on Wednesday night that, that hunger had just gotten a hold of him last year. And when hunger got a hold of you, what started happening? Huh? He started getting results. He started seeing God move in his life. Started experiencing things. Started, you know, uh, started to enjoy his relationship with God. But he got hungry. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to get people to not do things. I'm not trying to be a killjoy and, and say you can't have fun. Listen, God wants you to have fun. He, wa- he wants you to have fun. I mean, that, that scripture I read this morning, that he's come that you might have life, real life. One of the translations says, uh, real, to enjoy real life. He wants you to enjoy life. He actually really wants you to enjoy life. But at the same time, you know, uh, those who have been making these adjustments, I would ask you to continue to make these adjustments. You know, continue to make things. Even this week, there have been some things the Lord put on my heart about, you know, what about this? What about that? Well, if I, if I start this, that's what the Lord will do to me. You know what? He might. He might not. I can't say what the Lord will ask you to do. I'm not the Lord. But I would challenge you. Maybe it's not been something that, that has, maybe you've kind of been a little resistant to it out of fear of what you might lose. Just think about what you might gain. The woman with issue of blood, she might have lost respect. She could have possibly been kicked out of the city and excommunicated because, you know, if you have a disease, you're unclean, you're allowed to be in the company with, with other people. That could, you could get kicked out for that, excommunicated for that. She was some risk there, but she had a desire for something that overrode that. David could, was in opposition to the Old Testament, the law of Moses. That's, that, was a big, that was a big deal. Yet he still desired something and God still met him and responded to him. You know, how do we get hungry? Well, just spend time reading your word. Spend time in prayer in the spirit. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Well, I'm afraid if I do that, he might, he might take up all my time. He won't take up all your time. He won't take up all your time. He won't. Sometimes it might be two minutes. It may be 15 minutes. But you just, you just go until your heart is satisfied. Not your watch, but your heart is satisfied. Right? Or not till the next show comes on that you want. But set aside time. If you can't trust yourself there, then set aside time. When, there, when, when there's nothing on but inside edition that you hate, right? I got at least half an hour. You know, I can, I can seek God. Well, let's do that. You know, sometimes we, have, I, we joke, but sometimes we've got to do things that because we just, you shouldn't trust your flesh. <laughs> right? I mean, you just shouldn't trust your flesh. It's not difficult. So we know you spend time in the Word, spend time praying in other tongues. Ask God to stir hunger in you. 
Whatever things you desire, do you desire to want more of him? Do you actually want to have more of him? Ask him for it. Does there hunger in you? How about start small where you are? I would just really like to recognize God's presence when I come to church. Not just, yeah, we're in his presence, but actually sense the presence of God. I can tell you, it's, it's quite enjoyable when you sense the presence of God, right? It's nice. I would, I, I, I would like that. Let's have a selfish desire. I would just like to experience the presence of God. Start there. Hunger for that. Start where you are. Start small. Don't, don't be afraid that when we, things that get presented, oh, that's just huge, I can never do it. Start where you are. Desire to hear his voice. To recognize the still small voice. To recognize the inward witness. Desire that. Desire him to lead you on the job when it comes to business decisions. Really want him to lead you in business decisions. Really want him to lead you in school decisions or, or family decisions. Actually desire him to be involved. So you start where you are. If you will do that, he will respond. And once you get a taste of it, then you can just move on to the next thing that just comes up, that desire that you have. If you'll do that, you will get involved in what's going on. Amen? It's really quite easy. But we have to stir these things up in ourselves. I'm telling you, we are laborers together with him. See if you can come, up, come on back up. We are laborers with him. He is, he is looking for us to get hungry and, and to desire some things. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.